0: Communication and language are major themes in many science fiction stories, but perhaps the most striking example is 2016's Arrival.
1: To discuss communication in this alien invasion film, we're joined today by a special guest, linguist Beth Jackson.
0: Hello from elsewhere. I'm Casey.
1: And I'm
2: Valerie.
0: And we're here today with a very special guest, linguist Beth Jackson. Hi, Beth. Hi, guys. How are you?
2: Doing really well.
0: Awesome. Today, we are going to be talking about one of our favorite movies, Arrival. We thought, what better movie to talk about communication and linguistics and language with an actual linguist. And so we're so grateful that you're willing to be here and and chat with us. So welcome. I'm really excited. Now, before we get started, I do have an all-important question. Would you like to join in with this, Beth?
2: I'll do my best.
0: My all-important question today is, what fictional character would you want by your side during an alien invasion? And I'm going to let you think about that for a bit, Beth. And I'm going to make Valerie go first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fictional character by my side for an alien invasion.
0: And one caveat, it can't be Louise Banks from Arrival. This is like mean aliens, Mm. not not aliens that want to talk.
1: Oh, well, that's a different story. Yeah, it is. So I'm not trying to communicate with them. I'm.
0: You're trying to survive. Trying to survive. survive.
1: Yeah. Hmm. First one that comes to mind because we just watched Mission Impossible Six the other day mm-hmm. was, can I have um, I Ethan, even, Ethan Hunt? Ethan Hunt, yes.
0: Well, yeah, you can. He's okay. a fictional character. Well, that's true. Fine, I pick
1: Ethan Hunt. Do <laughs> you for pick Mission Tom Cruise
0: Impossible. or Ethan Hunt?
1: You know what? I feel like they're the same person. <laughs> so that's, that's fair. <laughs> Either way, I think I'm covered.
0: That's that's fair. Plus,
1: he was also in that other alien movie. Oh, Live, Die, um, Repeat
0: slash Edge of Tomorrow. Yes, that or one. Or War of the Worlds. But War of the Worlds, too.
1: <laughs> See, he's got all
2: of the uh, alien movies covered for me.
0: Perfect. All right, Beth, did you think of one?
2: It may just be because I have a Batman statue sitting in front of me. I'd probably go with Wonder Woman.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Batman. <laughs> I mean, I could go
2: with Batman, too, and i
0: Probably no, I should. like the Wonder Woman answer. I, I just, think I think better. that was just a great way of phrasing your answer. I have a Batman statue, well, so I'm going to go with Wonder Woman. I love that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a little. It's it's this Batman fighting Superman. So they're both sitting here right in front of me, and I'm just like, well, I like Wonder Woman the best of the three. So I think
1: she could definitely handle herself against some aliens. Oh yeah, right? No trouble. I mean, she that's fought against I a figure. god, so that's basically, basically an alien yeah. anyway. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, my answer is because the answer is always Hermione Granger. She,
2: <laughs> there you go. She
0: will get me through any situation. She's smart, quick-witted, and quick-thinking, and she is basically Batman but with magic. Because Batman Real would sweet. be a good answer. He he can figure out the situation well, the ability and to, solve you know, it.
2: To fisticuff.
0: Fine, but she's got a wand, so she doesn't need to fisticuff
2: probably my first thought was Harry Potter and maybe it's just because I'm talking with you two. (laughs) And so, you know, but like the whole magic factor to it, that's that has an edge. That's a good point. I think it's a good selling point,
1: but if you drop the wand they have very little skills on their own for teenagers and even the adult wizards.
0: (laughs) Well, all right. Should we jump right into Arrival?
1: To all of our listeners out there, if you have not watched Arrival yet, there will be a myriad of spoilers in this episode, so go watch it first and then come back and join the discussion.
0: Yes, it is a fantastic movie worth watching.
1: When we watched rewatched it this last week, I was thinking that it's not a movie that I choose to watch type thing. Like mm. it's it's not one I like want to come back to all the time, but every time I watch it, I think, "Man, what a fantastic movie."
0: It is pretty heavy. Yes, I would say.
1: And it's kind of slow-paced.
0: Yeah, it's a movie that breathes a bit.
1: Yes. It's not a happy-go-lucky. It's not dessert. Yes, <laughs> it's a make-you-think movie, which yeah. is what makes it great for our discussion today.
2: Well, and that's one thing I love about it. Just like this was my second time watching it, and after I finished, I was I just kept saying to Taylor, my husband, just he how much I love this movie and maybe it's because of all the linguistic factors but because it makes you think it there aren't a lot of movies lately that I've seen that really grab me but this one does and I and I love that about it
0: I agree and I, I love that you told us this was your second time watching because the second time is vastly different from the first time would you agree
1: oh yeah right after that you know the twist and yeah. so you're kind of watching for these clues earlier. Uh huh.
0: Well, let's get into why. Just broadly, why do we love this movie? Beth, you're a guest. You go ahead and start. Why? <laughs> you you kind of hinted at it a little bit, but why why do you love this movie?
2: Because it's emotional. Like I feel like there are two themes, and one is communication, and I'm really excited to talk about that because it got me thinking yesterday while I was watching it. But the other is the point they make at the end of the film you know the plot twist if you knew your life from the very end basically from beginning to end would you change anything right and i think
0: and go ahead no you go ahead well i was just gonna say and that it's not just if you knew the good things but it's this movie's heavy because it's about if you knew the bad things would you still do them you know
2: yeah and that's just like that's a heavy concept that's a really it makes me grateful that i don't know the rest of my life you know Um, but it kind of, it really just tugs at your heartstrings and, and the whole plot of what happens, the whole twist, what happens afterwards that we don't really see, but we get flashbacks, but they're really flash forwards, you know, that whole storyline is emotional. It's family. It is, you know, there are things we can relate to in different ways and, I don't know. It's just, it's a very, I don't know if human is the right thing to say that this is that the whole theme of all of it is very human. But I think at least parts of that story are very strongly connected to us as humans, as families, you know, as individuals. And I think that's probably why, I don't know if that's why we love it so much, but that's certainly what makes it easy to connect to.
0: Yeah, no, I think you said that beautifully. And I think, the fact that it's a movie about aliens is is meant to shed light on the humanity of it. Yeah. Valerie, are you going to say something?
1: Yeah, I was you were talking about how, you know, kind of two main themes. We talk about the communication, which is something that we as humans are not great at. And then and in, and the movie highlights that all the ways that they have to follow commands instead of communicating well and um, so we as humans are not great communicators, but then it goes into the other theme of love or passion or whatever you want to call it that um we as humans are really good at
0: Mm, I like that I like that yeah all right I'll just I'll give a I'll give a brief synopsis for our listeners who maybe haven't seen it for a while um or those heathens that are listening even though we warned them about spoilers so (laughs) uh so this movie is about it's very focused on Louise Banks the character played by Amy Adams and she is a linguistics professor at a college and the movie opens up with her, and there's some narration. Presumably, she's speaking to her daughter because we're seeing what we believe are flashbacks of, of her life, and her daughter is growing up. And eventually, her daughter dies of some illness, um, some undisclosed illness. Very and then, rare disease. yeah, and then the, the story proper begins. And we, as the audience, assume that this is post daughter's death. Um, which, of course, we learn later is not true. But she is teaching at the college, and that's when we find out that aliens have arrived on Earth. And we don't see the alien spacecraft. We see her reaction to the news, which I think is a really important and good choice. And eventually um, and gradually we learn a little bit more about these ships, these giant shells that have shown up across the planet. There's 12 of them. Louise is just sitting in her office when a army or military colonel arrives and asks her if she can translate. She had translated for the military with, um, in Farsi, I believe. So they knew that they could come to her and she tells them she can't translate a language that she doesn't know if she's not in the room because there's so much more to the language than that. And I guess my first question for you, Beth is. And this is a very big, important question. Have you been approached by the government to translate an alien language?
2: <laughs> if I had, would I tell you? <laughs> no, <laughs> sure you wouldn't. Enough. That's <laughs> <a good answer. laughs> I haven't, but but no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the, eventually, the military selects her, and she gets to go to the the shell in Montana. Right? I think it's Montana, yeah, it is. not yeah, it is. Montana, and. She meets the scientist that she'll be working with, Ian Donnelly, um, played by Jeremy Renner. and. You mean Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. Sorry, Hawkeye. <laughs> and and Saw Gerrera is Colonel Weber. That's yes. important as well. Um, <laughs> and Giselle is the main character, right? <laughs> from, from
1: Enchanted. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Giselle.
0: Speaking of which, you were talking about Amy Adams while we were watching.
1: Yeah, because she's amazing. I was thinking about how you can go from watching her in Enchanted to watching her in Arrival, and they're like the most opposite of characters, but she's amazing in both roles.
0: Yeah. She's extremely versatile as an actress. I, Yeah, I'll watch her in anything. She's amazing. Um, I don't want to s- explain the whole movie because that's not what we're here to talk about, but just she eventually does get to um, communicate with these aliens, and, well, let's just jump right into the theme of communication.
2: The interesting thing to me is that the theme of communication, while it was like, maybe not the driving theme, but like I said, I think it's one of the two main themes of this movie. By the end of it, and maybe this is just because it was my second time watching it again, but um, but I feel like all of a sudden, because I, at the end, by the end of the movie, you're just so in, so in shock about the whole, if you don't, you know, if you knew something... If you knew what was going to happen in your life, would you do things differently? I don't know how to sum up that theme any better than she said. But, you know, I feel like I get the theme of communication gets lost under that. Not by the end of the movie, and it's not like it transitions. But then when the movie ends, I was just like so in shock that I forgot to think about communication for the last 20 minutes of the movie because... Even though I already knew what was going to happen, it's just still so I don't know. I don't know, and I th- I think it's something that the movie does really well.
0: The 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 theme of like choice and the hard choice, um, specifically in this movie that it presents, it can kind of over- overshadow the communication. But also, what I like is that the the language of it is so intertwined with that choice because it is communication that has presented that choice to her because of. Of Of the language, um, oh, allowing yeah. her to see the future, that's kind of the way I see it. But I think you're right, and I think that, yeah, I think that theme of choice is is bigger at the end, but um, like I said, I think it's communication that leads up to it.
2: Totally.
1: And she does ask Hawkeye, what's his what's his movie name? <laughs> Ian Ian, Ian, Ian. <laughs> She does ask Ian, you know if you could see your whole future, would you change anything? And I think it's fascinating that he responds with saying that maybe he would say what he felt more often. Mm -hmm. So his one thing that he would change
2: is his ability to communicate.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Well,
2: and then there's another part. um, She's having one of her flash-forwards, right? And Hannah, the daughter, she says, Daddy doesn't look the same at me anymore. Louise says, well, that's my fault. I told him something he wasn't ready to hear. And so I'm curious if she... I'm curious because we don't know if she will change anything or what you know but
0: or if she can is another yeah. question yeah
2: i feel like yeah, she I would. i think that the or
1: at least the way i see that the language of the aliens works is that w- once you understand the language you can then like time is different so you see your past present and future all at once and so mm-hmm. i think she would be so accepting of what Will happen, has already happened, is happening, that she would just go with it.
0: Yeah, and and but can she make choices or has she already made every choice? In other words, yeah, like is there a present anymore? You so mind boggling.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's weird. But See, you know, could she choose to say something or do things differently where she and Ian don't get divorced or you know, she probably can't stop the disease from taking their daughter. But like, I mean, I assume they have separated cause that's what it makes it seem like, you know? And so I'm curious, would she choose to say things or yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think she, I mean, she definitely does make the choice to go through with having the baby. Casey and I talked about this a lot after watching it this time. We talked about how Ian's character in one of the flash forwards, um, asks Louise, um, he says. He asks, really oh, what does don't. he say exactly? Because
0: um, he sh- he says, "Do you want to have a baby? Not should we have a baby?"
1: Yes, we talked about this because he says, "Do you want to have a baby, or do you want to make a baby?" I think he says
0: something like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Anyways, um, do you want to make a baby? And Casey and I talked about how originally when we first heard that line, we we're like, "Ah, it's kind of a cheesy way of you know asking it or something." Well,
0: because like, that that part of the movie is very quiet and it's mostly no dialogue and so that dialogue kind of shoots through it yes
1: but we're talking about the difference between him asking her to make the choice do you want to make a baby versus the question of should we have a baby are two very different outcomes Mm -hmm. because does she want that child that she already has all these memories of and knows she loves absolutely she wants that should she knowing that the outcome will be Pain for Ian and a you know death for her daughter. That's a right. different question. Yeah, yeah, that is a good question.
0: So as we've hinted, I guess I didn't mention it in my synopsis, but she begins to, when she begins to communicate with the aliens. She begins to see time um, as non-linear, so she can see the past and, and present and future all at once because of their language. Of course, they mention the sapir theory and. Um, this is something that I learned a little bit about in English class. Valerie and I were both English majors. Um, Beth, is that something that you studied more heavily or talked about more heavily?
2: Yes and no, not really studied more heavily. I can tell you that there is, there's a strong side. The superior whorf hypothesis has like a continuum. <laughs> and generally you either fall on the really weak side or, you know, maybe not the really weak side, but there's a Weak version and a strong version of it. Oh, okay. The way that Louise presents it in the movie is that language, the language you speak, oh, what did she say? I think it was it affects how you think or determines how you think. Yeah, and that's the strong variety of the theory. The weak version is just that the language you speak influences it, you know, it doesn't necessarily determine. The way you think about things and about the world and stuff, but but it has an influence, so yeah, that's no, that,
0: that I feel like that helps because the way I learned it in school was um, through the idea of color that certain languages and cultures have more names for different um, shades of color, oh, so therefore yeah. they can see more shades of that color. Um, I don't know if that's like been. Um, refuted or anything that was just some an idea that I'd briefly learned, but that 's something that I loved when I first saw arrival was just hearing that hypothesis because i'd heard about it briefly before, and I was sort of geeking out but um I guess I expect that all the linguistic stuff had you really geeking out with this movie
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know if people who are languages that have more colors see different colors but I don't know. We talked about that in one of my linguistics classes last year about the whole color thing and it's that's a cool thing. I can't talk much about it because I don't know a whole lot.
0: I guess in terms of the theme of communication the place I wanted to start was something that I noticed this time I hadn't thought about before but the idea of how many screens or filters or barriers are in the way of people communicating or beings communicating in this movie.
1: Do you mean like physical barriers yeah
0: yeah okay well i mean not always sometimes it's figurative i guess just to start the idea that we learn we first learn about the aliens through a screen it's communicated to us and to louise through television and through the news which is a heavy has a heavy presence throughout the movie and then when louise begins speaking to the aliens they're all wearing suits so there's already that barrier Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: But then there's also the barrier, the clear window like barrier between her and the aliens.
1: Not to mention when they're communicating with other countries, they do it all through video chats. Right. So you've got more screens there. And I love that she does take off her hazmat suit and she says, you know, I I can't talk like this. You know, I can't. She knows that she's not going to create any um, real conversation with them being inhibited in in something that's not her natural skin
0: right and it, it extends even further later when she is in the same room with the one alien and, and she, that's, that's when we true. learn the most through their communication about the the twist that's where it happens is when they are literally face to face versus having all these barriers that they've had in the past
2: yeah no i hadn't thought about that before removing all these layers that are in between barriers to communication
0: and we talked about the end of the movie, the most important communication um, as the movie moves along is all face to face. You know, it's it's her and her daughter or her and Ian, and there's not that, that barrier. I think
1: it's very fitting for our day and age, this uh, movie that has, you know, that shows the dissemination of knowledge through screens. That's the way we learn anything now. Um, you can't go face to face and tell everybody the news and we don't even have, a, a, what would you call it, the uh, the telephone operator. Mm. You don't even have the telephone operator who, you know, can call everybody up or hears everybody else's news and shares it mouth-to-mouth, It's or, or by word. It's through screens. We hear it on the news, we, and we get distorted um, versions of it.
0: Yeah, there's always some sort of filter of some kind. Well, so early on when she's starting to talk to the aliens... She starts to use a whiteboard and um, starts to write words to try to communicate with her and Colonel Weber asks her, uh, "Isn't that sl- slower? Doesn't that take more time to to teach them to read as well as to listen or or speak English or whatever language um, so I'm just wondering if that if Beth if that resonated with you or and if you had any thoughts about that
2: with the way that they that they go about the spoken language you know she says there's no way I'm going to be able to learn to speak their language or speak their words we'll be here forever and that's a valid point so you know you've got to figure out another way to communicate it'd take a long time even if it were a human language if you didn't know if you were in the field getting data and stuff you'd have to figure out where the breaks in the words are, you know, what kinds of words do they have and what, you know, what kinds of things form, what kind of sounds form those words. And so I think her approach is the right way to go about it. If I were in that situation, you know, just because, because it would take forever, it would take so long to try and figure out that, you know, how to process before even trying to produce the alien's spoken or audible language, you know? So I think the way she goes about it is really good. Just cause, because there are more than one way, there's more than one way to communicate.
0: That makes sense. Because I think it presents this idea about the difference or the disconnect between spoken and written, written language. Because I think with spoken language, there's so much more to it than just the words, right?
1: Yeah, there's the, you know, intonations you use in your voice and nuances and there pauses. There might be an accent, or,
0: Yeah. Um, not to mention all the nonverbal stuff, um, body language. and
1: Which is huge. Um, I think for any, you know, first, anybody learning a language for the first time, you remember your language teachers. Like, I speak French, and I remember the teachers who were very, uh, like, they used their body a lot, you know. They would point at things they would like accentuate certain words in a way to try and help you understand it better Um, it makes a big difference versus the teachers that I had who just were like this is the word and here's how it's written and I don't know it was a lot easier to understand them when they were using their body language as well
2: yeah there's so much of a visual aspect to communication that we don't even think about beyond beyond written language even you know but body language that's a huge thing facial expression
1: yeah like when louise says that she wouldn't be able to translate a language that she's never that she doesn't already know without being there
2: yeah it's huge it's 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 huge
0: so the the movie presents this idea and i i'm wondering beth if this is a real thing or if it's like sci-fi uh gobbledygook there's the, that scene where Ian Donnelly is narrating, almost like it's a documentary set in the middle of the movie it's it's kind of an odd little thing but it gives a lot of information and he says that there's no correlation between what a heptapod and that's the name of the aliens there's no correlation between what a heptapod says and what a heptapod writes and he calls it semi which means that it contains meaning but doesn't represent sound. Is that a real thing or was that an invention for the movie. Do you know?
2: No, that definitely has bearing. I just, I googled it since it's not a word that I really run across a whole lot. But then like the first thing that Google pulls up is this picture of people texting with emojis. And it has meaning, but like, I mean, sure, we have, you know, the fire emoji or, or a bell or, you know, flowers or something like that. And of course, they have meaning, but But the thing, one of the biggest things and one of the first things you'll ever learn in linguistics is that sounds, the sounds of words have, and their meanings are arbitrarily connected. They are not, like we could make up, like you see a tree outside, right? Or picture a drawing of a tree and you say, oh, that's a tree, right? You say the word tree. Um, We could make up an entirely different word for that say we call it a dab, you know, and then there's no actual connection between the sounds that we assign to objects or concepts. There and I don't want to necessarily put a blanket statement on that, but but most, if not all languages are that way. You don't really have most words, probably ninety nine percent of words are not are arbitrarily connected to their meaning. There's no real foundation for the sounds that we use for a word. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. No, that totally makes sense, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: it's so, it's a trippy concept, <laughs> right? It really is. But then there, I mean, there are words like, like onomatopoeia think, words, right? Sounds that animals make. That's an approximation. That's a little closer. So the sounds that we make to try and approximate the sound that an animal makes. You know, that's a that has more meaning. That has, That is less arbitrary. But for other things, like a tree or the sun, you know, or other things like that, the most words are very arbitrarily. They're just, they don't, they ha- really have no connection between the sounds that we say and the concept that it represents. So here's a thing. In... I was actually just talking to my mom about this a couple of weeks ago. In English, and a lot of the languages that we, I mean, not all languages, but we use alphabets. And an alphabet is a system of writing where one letter or one symbol, one character, represents a sound. Or, you know, a few sounds. But then there are other languages, like Chinese, for example, where the character does not, it doesn't represent a sound. I mean, of course, there is a sound, a syllable attached to it, but we're not spelling out words in the same way like we do with alphabets. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So a writing system or a language system like Chinese was originally logographic, which is just using images to represent, or like the image had a meaning, and then we just assigned sound to it so then the characters that we have today in chinese are kind of evolutions of kind of pictures that people drew in you know thousands and thousands of years ago that's a simplified version of way of talking about it but um but that gets the idea across just that like in english we write out a word like the word alphabet a l p h a b e t and each of those letters has a sound or a range of sounds that they communicate well in chinese it's not you don't have that there's there are symbols and you can combine symbols to form different words but the sound is not it's it's again it's arbitrary you know so this sound you assign to a visual symbol of language so in that way i guess it totally makes sense to say that what a heptapod says and what a heptapod writes aren't connected, or at least it makes a little more sense just to say to say that, where what a heptapod writes might, I mean, maybe it's different from the sounds they're making. And we don't really know anything about the heptapods' audible, you know, their spoken language. We don't really, we don't know anything about that. The movie doesn't really give us much insight into their spoken language.
0: Right, because it seems like Louise starts there. She's listening to audio files, But as soon as they get the the orthography of the logogram, I think they call it even. Um, yeah. Or, or they call it, no, they call it nonlinear orthography. Anyways, the symbol, um, as soon as they get that symbol, that seems to be where they focus. And so past that point, we don't really get much about, like you said, their audible sound. Yeah. But I think it's interesting you brought up characters because that really seems to be what their writing system is it's almost not almost it's very artistic um and it's like it flows and it i don't know how to describe it it (laughs) because it's just this beautiful thing and maybe i'm i shouldn't describe it in words it's something you're supposed to see but um they they imply that there's subtle changes to the character so to speak that changes the word or a word in in this sentence um so yeah I think I think the characters that you brought up the Chinese characters is very applicable to to the heptapods written language
2: yeah it is their language though I mean their written language their orthography I I totally agree it really is really beautiful
1: I like that you said that it looks and it feels more artistic because I think um, language can be a very artistic thing. I mean, we have poetry and, and other forms of spoken um, artistry with our words, but to see it visually, I don't usually think of a alphabet written out as very beautiful. Um, at least, you know, the English English unless, alphabet. Unless it's like calligraphy. Unless kind of it's like thing. calligraphy, yeah. we do try to make it more beautiful. <laughs> but that theirs is uh, naturally very creative and it flows and it's yeah. very beautiful.
0: So on the theme of of communication, this movie has a lot of breakdowns in communication or miscommunications.
2: I think the most obvious, I mean, maybe it's not obvious, it is obvious, but maybe they're not the most prominent, but is communication between the nations, the different nations that are dealing with all of this. They have a hard time, you know, for a lot of the movie, they're like, hey, what'd you get? What are you finding out? What's happening where you are? But then even then, part of me is curious how much they talked with everyone. And maybe they talked with everyone a lot. But when China decides to go dark and encourages other people to do the same, then it almost seems like the U.S. didn't know that that was what they were thinking of doing. And maybe they didn't say that beforehand. But but the communication between the nations... Okay, no, I take it back. That probably is the biggest one. Just because... Or one of the biggest because they have to talk and the aliens are trying to get them to talk back together with each other and share information, you know, communicate with each other by the end of the movie.
1: Right. We have the aliens telling Louise that they are, you know, one of 12 or in Mm -hmm. other words that all 12 of those um, pieces have to work together. And Louise mentions that, you know, the uh, military leaders are asking why give us... Part of a whole, and she says, "Well, maybe it's to make us work together."
0: Yeah, for once, she says, once. "Yeah, to work yeah. together for <laughs> once," which is so big on of the theme of the movie of of working together. What I think is interesting, and and you brought up Beth the the blackout. What sort of sets that off is just a miscommunication about one word, and it it's so powerful that that one word of is are they saying tool or are they saying weapon is what tears everything down. And it, it shows not only the power of communication and the power of words and the power of miscommunication, but the power of like one single word. That's, that's intense.
2: <laughs> and where no one takes it, I mean, not no one, Louise takes the time, but she's like, no, we have to figure out what they mean. You know, do they mean tool? Do they mean weapon? What do they mean? Where no, everyone else just throws up their hands and freaks out, you know, all the military leaders both for the U.S., but also across the globe, they're all just like, nope, we're, we're out of here. This is, you know, this is going too far. We're, it's getting too intense, you know? But if you take the time to understand, take the time to clarify, then, you know, 20,000 things could be resolved and resolved a lot faster than they were. Maybe this is a little
1: of a shift in topic here, but one of the things that I love about this movie is that while it feels futuristic, they're talking with aliens... It also is very reminiscent of, you know, human, human history and human past. Mm. Um, it feels like any other colonization movie where you go in and they're uh, trying to or maybe not even trying to take the time to understand the natives. And they're just willing to wipe them out because they don't understand them. And so they don't f- see their value, which is kind of, you know, like how China is weaponizing and and getting ready to attack because they just don't understand which happened again and again throughout human history
0: right and and beth you brought up the idea of um, louise really wants to clarify and i think when we talk about communication it's often about the words we say and i didn't even have this thought until you said that um just the idea that so much of communication is listening and trying to gain more information. And, and so much of that happens through listening rather than this movie shows that most of these people have are having these knee-jerk reactions. Whereas Louise is the one that's, she wants to take a breath, let's clarify, like you said, let's listen. And I love that.
2: I totally agree. Just how much is listening, you know? And I was watching the one of the behind the scenes or like the extra... One of the extras things last night after finishing it, I didn't get all the way through. It was like I don't. It was the first one, just like understanding arrival or whatever else. And I thought the director made a really cool point, and I was like, that's exactly what we're doing. You know, it's kind of it's a commentary on on humanity right now. You know, he said we're more. The more we have the ability to communicate, the more afraid we are to talk to others. the the phrase he used was the less in communication we are, but just this idea that we have the ability, we have, you know, we have the tools to break down communication barriers, but, but we're more afraid to talk to people or to listen to other people. I like that you brought up listening because I totally agree. It's so much about listening. If we would take the time to listen, if we would take the time to seek to understand, Others, the less we would fear other people, the less we would, you know, as nations or as individuals or communities or whatever, um, we become more secluded, and then we don't talk to others, and we don't listen to anyone else, and then and then we shut ourselves off from, you know, people who could potentially be our friends or our allies. I mentioned this to Casey when we were watching the movie. You know,
1: you're talking about how we, if we don't listen and communicate, there's so much more fear. And that, and I had the thought during the movie that the fear of the un- unknown or the other is generally due to a miscommunication or a lack of listening. Totally. And uh, in the movie, we get to you know a small group of soldiers who uh, they're the ones who go in and set off the bomb. They're trying to get rid of the aliens. They're there. They're the ones who are in the shell doing the video cameras and they're kind of, you know, they backup. back up. <clears throat> so you'd think that they would be closer to understanding or to communicating because they're there watching it all. But they seem to have some kind of a disconnect where they're not actually studying the language and they're not actually putting in the effort to understand the heptapods. And so uh, they still have this fear of them even though we see Louise and Ian getting more comfortable with them and and they're sending... I mean, these soldiers are spending the same amount of time with them that Ian and Louise are, but they're having an entirely different experience based on um, their own mindset and based on
2: their their fear versus their willingness to understand. Well, here's, here's another thing that I just thought of um, is... Oh, man, it has been way too long. I haven't read all of the Chronicles of Narnia, but I want to read all of them in order. But there's one one of the books. It's not The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but it's another one. And I think it's supposed to precede it. So maybe it's The Magician's Nephew. There's yeah, that's one the one character. that comes first. Okay, so they, I I want to say it's that one. So correct me if I'm wrong, because it, again, it's been years since I read any of the books. But at the end of one, it's, there's someone who can hear all of the animals talking, but then he chooses kind of to close off his ears in a way. He chooses to, he, he, he can hear everyone talking, but he's like, this is too weird. This is so strange. Animals don't talk. I don't believe it anymore. And the more he convinces himself of that, the less he can hear them actually speak until they're just sounds. And and that's almost, that's kind of similar to what you were saying, I think. Absolutely. I yeah, I love spacing, that illustration. <laughs> just that y- you close off, you know, even though he was there in the middle of it, if you choose to close your ears, as it were, you know, you hear less, you understand less, you, you know, it's kind of... Even though those soldiers were there, they chose, I mean, maybe they chose to listen. Uh, No, yeah, they did. Because they were watching that news thing where the guy was like, hey, our government's just sitting back. We need to do a show of force and whatever else. And so they decide to do that instead of being open to, you know, taking counsel from their fears more than Letting them just be in the moment and actually taking in and understanding what's going on with Louise and Ian and the heptapods,
1: and I think a lot of it does come down to their backgrounds. They're soldiers. They're trained to act versus you know they're not usually trained to communicate. That's not usually their job. Um, they're trained to follow orders and to act. And whereas you know Louise and Ian are are intellectuals they're searchers they want to find truth and knowledge um they have very different backgrounds
0: and there's the the one scene where we first see the heptapods language the written language and louise is looking at it with wonder and there's a very brief shot but it's very important and it shows that the soldier is looking at it with fear and i think it separates them um in a an important and be, sort of beautiful way the soldier is always looking at the aliens as an other, whereas Louise is looking to connect. And again, I think it goes back to the barriers and the screens and the filters that we put up as well. The soldier is communicating to his wife over the phone, um, which is always gonna be more impersonal than in person. He's also gleaning information from a screen, like you mentioned, the um, the radio host or whatever the guy is on some sort of video. Um, again, he, he's keeping these barriers up he's he's keeping himself even though he's in the same room much farther back than Louise and Ian do and of course that's that's part of his job but i think it the movie illustrates perfectly well the the disconnect and the contrast between the soldier and then Louise and Ian
1: yeah and i uh, mentioned it in our last podcast um one of the books this past year that i really love that I read was Braving the Wilderness by Brené Brown Mm -hmm. and one of the things that she talks about there is applicable to this because she says that it's hard to hate people close up and so you need to move in Mm. and Louise physically moves closer to the barrier between her and the aliens and the soldier never does he stands at the back he's not willing to take those steps to move in and to learn and connect with them
2: which is funny just because Louise is terrified you know, she's just as scared of what's going on in this whole situation as he is. I mean, maybe she's not, but but at least the first time they go into there, she's like hyperventilating the whole time. She's like, "What am I?" It's a weird experience—gravity right. Right. changing and then meeting these creatures you've never seen before—and yeah, I love that to she comes back them. out and she says, "Am I
1: fired?" <laughs> and he's like, "Well, you did better than the last guy." <laughs> yeah
2: she is just as scared but he but she still chooses to go and try to connect
0: it is scary to put yourself out there to connect with people um even people that you don't see as other just people in general and um it is scary but like you said Louise moves forward the soldier doesn't were Beth were there any moments in the movie that really stuck out to you in terms of communication um, that we haven't talked about yet?
2: I could always talk about how the Colonel Sol Guerrera, what's his name, approaches, you know, how he approaches the expectations of this whole communication thing. But we kind of already talked about that a little bit. Just what he expects Louise to do as a linguist, you know, what his idea of what she does versus what she you know kind of their two approaches to language trying to communicate with a foreign language that you neither of you speak
0: right there's that scene where she's she's almost sentence diagramming on the whiteboard which I is it. like my favorite oh, yeah. scene and i, like I got <laughs> so excited about <laughs> that English and and
1: linguists. I, yeah and but, oh yeah
0: but it's also you hinted at it it shows that language is really complicated And we often don't think about how complicated it is because
1: it's now second nature to us. We're
0: doing it, yeah. Yeah. We're in it. It's it's so close to us that we're myopic to it. And I geek out about that scene like crazy every time. It might be my favorite scene, which sounds silly because it's just a whiteboard. And anyways,
1: but even just the little things where Ian's like, "Don't erase the time," (laughs) like he's got his important information there too.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) it is funny the way that this is a science fiction movie, but it almost doesn't really laugh at science but it sort of pushes it aside almost
1: it's true and just that the human connection or the i should say personal because they're aliens the personal connection (laughs) is more important than the scientific
0: or at least we need that first right we need it first
1: because ian comes in and when they're listing like Questions or what they want answered, and he's like, "Well, how did you travel here? And what, you know, how does your spaceship work? Like, these are the kinds of how do of they things
0: respond to the Fibonacci sequence? I yeah. love that line. <laughs>
1: these are the kinds of things that he really wants to know, but you can't get there without the basics of language yeah.
2: communication. Yeah, I wrote down, I wrote down what Louise says to that. And she's like, "How about we just talk to them before we start throwing math equations at them? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, oh yeah."
0: I am curious about people that are heavy into math or science, if they would take offense to this movie. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're all, you know, we're all lovers of language. And so we really take to this movie. Uh, no, no.
1: Yeah. Maybe there's a whole in a, there's a whole alternate universe where they have mathematicians that approach the aliens and they write big equations down on the whiteboard that have never been solved and the aliens help them out. Maybe one of the other
0: shells has someone that's more scientific that's more more of a leader.
2: I mean, I could always get behind math as a language, but but you still have to establish some form of communication communication (laughs) with them before you can start do math.
0: Right, and I just thought of this. So there's the book and movie um, Contact and... That story is all about how the other the aliens um, communicate through math because it's a universal language, which I think is true, and the, the, the book pre- presents it in a very great way. But I don't remember if this line is in the um, book. It's definitely in the movie. When the main character, Ellie, sees the aliens, she says, they should have sent a poet. And I, I love that idea that... Just the importance of language and our own language and the beauty of language. And I don't want to knock math or science because they're very important. But I just love that this movie gives purchase to to that beauty of language, which we don't get that often in movies. I mean, what other movie in recent memory has a quasi-sentence diagramming scene? I can't (laughs) think of one. (laughs) Yeah. Especially not in science fiction. So, well... I have absolutely loved this conversation.
1: It's been so fun, Beth. Thanks. I'm satisfied. I loved it. Yeah,
0: this is so fun. Valerie, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Can we go back to the idea that when you were talking about the meaning of words and we were talking about sounds or like animal sounds, Mm -hmm. and I love the idea that an animal sound has more literal meaning than an actual word does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is, we've complicated things as humans. (laughs) which I think is kind of a theme of of the movie is we can kind of muddy things up with the way we communicate. But um, I also think there's some hopefulness, just, and we, we touched on it, the hopefulness that we can do so much if we work together. And they eventually do work together. And that is the high point of the movie is working as a team, working with people that we may have seen as enemies before, or we weren't close to, like with Louise and the Chinese general, General Shang. I I just think it's beautiful and hopeful that, yeah, sometimes we use communication as a weapon, but we can use it as a tool, and we should use it as a tool.
1: On a completely different note, we've really highlighted communication throughout this episode. That was our main theme that we wanted to talk about. But I think we'd be remiss not to mention that this movie is also a love story between Ian and Louise. Mm -hmm. It's both the love story and the heartbreak, like you the whole range of it there what was the line that I told you was really romantic that he says
0: oh um he says something along the lines of and I'm gonna botch it and it won't be as romantic he's looked to the stars his whole life and um sort of wondered about this moment what it would be like and the thing that surprised him most wasn't them it was you yes about Louise
1: so yeah that it's pretty close (laughs) I know right (laughs) yeah the idea that meeting her was the most surprising thing out of this whole experience it's just so cute. And then there's yeah. the line where she says, because she is starting to um, you know, see her future and, and her future with Ian. And and so when they hug for the first time, she says, um, I'd forgotten how good it felt to be held by you. Right. Which I love yeah. that idea because I feel like when you do fall in love and you feel so comfortable with somebody, uh, it almost feels uh, deja vu-like, even though you've never experienced that mm. with them yet. Like it, yeah. That closeness, it almost uh, it almost feels that way, that you've already been there, even though you haven't. Where it
2: seems like it's been a longer time than
1: it actually has. Yes, both longer and shorter at the same time.
0: So just to close, I I think the power in science fiction is its ability to shed light on our current predicaments through the lens of something other otherworldly. Uh, it makes it both powerful and and more accessible. And we we touched on that about how this movie reflects our current state and uh, that's that's the beauty of science fiction and the beauty of this movie specifically. Um, I think Arrival is important because in addition to its other theme of, of hard choices it reminds us that communication is extremely difficult at times but that makes it all the more important and uh, we just have to break down those facades to discover um, discover each other discover our emotions and ourselves and not only is real communication a beautiful thing It's how we keep moving forward as the human race, and communication is how we band together. Thanks again to Beth. This was so much fun. Yeah, I loved loved it. We worked out the communication kinks, actually, which is applicable here. Uh, (laughs) The the technology, the
1: technology, technological, the technical
0: aspects of it, uh, the the audio, and and we are talking through screens. (laughs) Not all screens are bad, Uh, (laughs) but uh, thanks again, Beth. This was awesome.
2: Absolutely, I've loved. Yeah, this has been awesome for me.
0: Well, you can find Hello from Elsewhere on Twitter and Instagram at elsewhere underscore pod. And happy beeps.
2: Happy beeps.